the Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. And welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. Last Friday on the show, I had uh, two of the three Democrats that are running for circuit court judge in Genesee County. The third joins me now by uh, by phone. Um, she is uh, Stephanie Witucky. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you, Tom. Thanks for having me. And there was a little bit of a dust-up, and I mentioned it on Friday's show, but uh, you were uh, gracious enough to um, agree to be on the show and, and help me live up to my my intention of always including all candidates uh, on the show. But let me let me ask this, and this is something I ask all kinds of candidates. Um, why did you want to run for this seat? Uh, well, I'm running for this position because the judge who is not running for re-election, he's retiring, uh, is a, he's on the family bench at Seventh Circuit Court. Uh, and I think that the families of Genesee County deserve to have someone who fill this seat, uh, who has extensive knowledge of family law, uh, who has the right judicial temperament, and who cares about the families who come before the court. Uh, I think that I offer the right experience and integrity uh, to fill those shoes. Uh, this judge who is not running for re-election, Judge Thiele, uh, he has had a, a great career in Seventh Circuit. Uh, as I said, he's retiring and not running for re-election, and he endorses me for this position. Uh, he has expressed to me and to others that he is also confident that I can uh, do a great job for the families of Genesee County. Let me, uh, let me ask this. How many, how many seats are there on the uh, Circuit Court bench in Genesee County? I know there are several in the, uh, uh, the District Court. Um, right. So there are also several in the circuit court as well, and uh, some are assigned to uh, multiple uh, types of cases on the dockets. Uh, judge Thiele is uh, strictly a family law uh, judge, and he is the one who is retiring. Um, is it is it then a sure bet that 
that is the assignment you would get if elected? Well, he that's the type of seat that, uh, you know, the judge who is retiring uh, from. Uh, I'm sure that depending on who were to um, be elected, I think that uh, the chief judge would have to make that decision. Um, you know, my my guess is that I'm sure that they would love to be able to fill uh, fill the seat of the person who's leaving and not have to do a lot of reshuffling around. Um, but it really depends on who gets elected. We serve the judges on the uh, circuit court bench there, serve uh, under the direction of the chief judge. And so it would be ultimately up to him uh, as to what types of cases uh, the judge coming on as a newly elected judge would hear. Um, but again, you know, my understanding is that uh, certainly they would like to be able to fill the seat of the person who's leaving, uh, that if I were to come into this role, it would not require a lot of reshuffling around. Is this the only uh, non-incumbent position that's, uh, um, that's on the ballot for, uh, for August? And for listeners who maybe don't remember from previous uh, interviews and conversations, um, a non-incumbent uh, position just simply means that it's an open seat. And uh, it's it's the only one that, um, you know, where there, there isn't going to be a re- re-election. There isn't a candidate running to, to stay on. And uh, so that that makes it an open seat. Is that part of what drew you to this, or have you run for things before? Uh, I have run once before. I ran two years ago uh, in the election for Seventh Circuit. Uh, There were several uh, candidates running at that time. Uh, Two new judges were elected. And uh, so this is my second time running for a position in uh, circuit court actually if running for any position at all and this is a very different time um you must be wrestling with uh, how to campaign during uh, a pandemic as opposed to the way the campaign might have run two two years ago absolutely two years ago uh we were as candidates uh able to be out in the community at a lot of different events uh, meeting a lot of uh, Genesee County residents, um, you know, just, just attending a, a great deal of things. And now uh, with the pandemic, um, you know, a lot of things that have been canceled, uh, a lot of major events where we would have been able to meet and be out in the community, uh, those things have been canceled. Uh, a lot of meetings in the different parts of Genesee County are now being conducted by Zoom um, or even call-ins. I've been participating in a lot of the township and city council meetings, uh, chamber of commerce meetings, things of that nature. And, you know, it, it's a lot different when you're having to call in and introduce yourself. People like to be able to see you and meet you in person, and we, we you know, we haven't had a lot of opportunities to do that. But I appreciate things like this where we're able to at least, um, you know, make an introduction tell a little bit about ourselves uh, so i appreciate your the forum that you're providing well and thank you for that stephanie and and as long as you open the door to it let's talk a little bit about what you've done obviously um or maybe not obviously but i would imagine you have to be an attorney to run for judge um what kind of law have you practiced and and what have you been doing So I've been a licensed attorney in good standing in the state of Michigan for approximately 23 years. 
Uh, the first few years I spent practicing general civil law, uh, pretty much anything that walked in the door. Um, I then spent about the next 10 years practicing primarily family law. Uh, so in really uh, developing myself as a family law practitioner uh, and devoting the majority of my career to family law matters. Uh, so that would be divorce, child custody, parenting time, child support, paternity, those types of matters that would appear on the family court bench. Uh, after about 10 years in family private practice, I then uh, took a position, uh, the position I have now, which is as a family domestic division referee. Uh, I work at the Third Circuit Court in Detroit. Uh, I'm the chief referee there. I've been the chief referee uh, for that division for approximately the last six years of the 10 that I've been a referee. Uh, a lot of people don't know what a referee is. What that means is that I already act in a quasi-judicial role. So family court cases from a circuit court docket uh, come before someone like me as a referee. Um, they make both parties uh, and or their attorneys present their arguments, and then I make uh, decisions on those matters that come before me. I issue a recommendation, a recommended uh, order. If no one files objections, then they become the final order of the circuit court. Uh, if someone files an objection timely, it's it's similar to an appeal process, and they can go before the circuit court judge. So I have really established myself as, uh, for the last decade, um, someone who has uh, been able to develop uh, my judicial temperament in court, uh, hearing cases, like I said, very, you know, very same issues that would be becoming uh, before a circuit court judge. I've been doing that for the past 10 years. How is family court? Uh, different or is it different than what we hear in in recent years about specialty courts? Well, specialty, we do have specialty courts uh, as part of the family court. Not every court uh, offers them. Uh, I can say that I was instrumental in developing a specialty court in Third Circuit, where I currently work. Um, it is a, spe a child support specialty court program. And so how it works is it's called Power Court, Providing Opportunities for Work, Education, and Respect uh, is the acronym. And so how that works is uh, payers of child support who maybe are having a challenging time meeting their full child support obligation on a monthly basis, um, they are folks who might find themselves on what we call a show cause or an enforcement docket. They would be brought before the circuit court judge to show good cause as to why they should not be held in contempt of court for failing to meet their support obligation. Uh, this specialty court that we've developed is a voluntary uh, program. Uh, if payers would like to voluntarily enter into the program, uh, they would be diverted into power court. And we would uh, basically do a, an interview. We have a support specialist who would do an interview, uh, find out what are the barriers that this person is having to meeting their support obligation. Uh, barriers would be things like uh, lack of employment, uh, underemployment, uh, mental health uh, issues, substance abuse issues, um, 
you know, a, just a, a lack of education, a variety of issues. And depending on what those barriers are, uh, we come up with an action plan that will facilitate their engagement with uh, another agency in the community who might be able to assist them with overcoming those barriers. And then we allow them time to participate with that agency and come back in for court monitoring as part of Power Court uh, so that we can keep tabs on, you know, how they're doing. Are their needs being met? Uh, Are they, you know, tackling some of these barriers? Uh, Maybe if this service provider isn't working out for them so well, we'll refer them to somewhere else. Um, You know, even those who might not fully complete the program, at the very least, they've been given an entire packet full of information uh, that they can use uh, at any time down the road if they have any barriers that they'd like to, you know, seek uh, assistance with in the community from different agencies. Um, And they've also, one thing we have them do right away is get a resume prepared. Uh, We do have uh, Michigan Works will help them get a resume prepared, and they get them online job searching. Uh, We get them registered right away with uh, temporary uh, employment agencies, and we get them uh, information to get involved uh, if they lack a high school education or a GED. Uh, We get them uh, engaged with a a GED program or at least some online services for that. So that's what uh, more like what a specialty program uh, is. We also have one that is very similar, but it's for specifically geared toward veterans, our active military. So the only difference really is that the service providers are different uh, because they would they would be able to offer services that are specifically geared toward uh, veterans. And how do people end up uh, in a position to avail themselves of that? Are they people that are um, arrested and and then uh, someone through judicial uh, discretion uh, refers the case to these courts? How, do, how does that work in the grand scheme of things, Stephanie? So it, you don't necessarily have to be arrested to be offered such a program. Uh, a lot of the referrals that I get to this program in our jurisdiction uh, would be folks where they are payers of child support, they're not meeting their obligation, and they are uh, given a notice from the court to appear in court. Uh, certainly if they don't appear in court and they just completely ignore uh, the notice to appear, that could result in a bench warrant. And if they are picked up on the bench warrant, uh, they would be brought before the friend of the court attorney, and the friend of the court attorney could offer power court uh, and give them information on it. Uh, But if they do uh, adhere and follow the uh, notice to appear in court, again, they'll appear in court on their designated day, meet with a friend of the court attorney, and again, the friend of the court attorney can offer power court. Uh, So they're given information. So it's essentially uh, equivalent to an outreach. Uh, we also get referrals on. I, I'm sorry. We also get referrals um, from judges uh, on the bench. Uh, referrals from other front of the court attorneys. Um, so really, any encounter um, you know that folks have with the you know with the family court uh, as it relates to an inability to pay, uh, those are the folks who are offered power court. Uh, we do also have uh, outreach programs. Uh, our primary programs are a couple of times a year uh, in April and October, and that is outreach in the community where we also provide information. 
So there's lots of different ways that, you know, that people can find out about Power Court. And that's just in my jurisdiction uh, where I work now. Uh, but lots of you asked for an example of a specialty court program. So uh, that's an example of a program I've been instrumental with and, and I work on currently. I've been uh, conducting Power Court uh, where I worked for 10 years. More with Circuit Court Judge Candidate Stephanie Watucky. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. I was telling you a little while ago about my wife, and I don't want you to be confused, but 
we were, I've been married more, more than once. In fact, I've been married three, three times. But my first two wives each died a very tra tragic death. My first wife died from eating po poisoned mushrooms. And my second wife died from a fra fractured skull. She wouldn't eat her mushrooms. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Hope back once again to tell you it's better to have pepsodent flowing over your teeth now than to have water running under your bridge later. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner Program. More with Circuit Court Judge Candidate Stephanie Watucky. Straight ahead. We've been hearing recently... Uh, we touched on uh, this whole idea of campaigning during the pandemic, but we've been mm -hmm. in the wake of uh, the the killing of uh, George Floyd and then later Breonna Taylor. There are some others as well whose names are, are being shouted uh, amidst protests. But one of the things that we're hearing is defund the police. And that means something different to different people when they hear that. But but most people agree, at the very least, it means diverting some of the resources that go to police departments to special programs to deal with issues like uh, mental health and, and drug abuse and or addiction, um, drug-related crimes, and um, uh, homelessness, and so on. Um, don't the, the courts and and uh, other parts of the criminal justice system, I'm thinking about prisons, um, also play a role in, in what goes on and um, how much discretion do judges have to avail themselves of those specialty things? And is, is there a need for more funding for for those programs to, to maybe get that off of uh, off of police officers to enforce some of those societal things? So I think that outreach is very important. There are a lot of, I, and this is something that I found with, um, when we were developing PowerPort, for example, there are a lot of resources out there uh, that people don't know of. Um, you know, certainly are you asking, uh, you know, could uh, community resources um, benefit from more funding? Of course, you know, every program uh, like that could benefit from additional funding. Uh, there are always ways to expand uh, the resources or expand uh, the number of people you serve. Um, you know, uh, there's always room for, for more uh, funding uh, needs. Uh, but in terms of what we do have, I think that it's a matter of, uh, you know, being proactive, finding out uh, as a court, like we did with Power Court, you know, what resources do we have to work with? And let's try and, and uh, create a partnership or, a, you know, get them involved as stakeholders um, so that we have somewhere to regularly refer folks who need things like, um, you know, mental health services or substance abuse services or employment services. Uh, resources are out there uh, if you're looking for them. But the other part of that question, uh, Stephanie, had to do with uh, judicial discretion. And I've been asking 
candidates for judge and, and and other people we've we've talked about this quite a bit is whether or not or to what degree do judges have discretion and to what degree are they bound by mandatory sentences um, and um, uh, precedent well you can certainly uh, you would have the authority to uh, refer someone to, you've talked about specialty court programs, uh, you know, like drug court programs and things like that. You would have the discretion to refer folks to uh, programs uh, as long as they meet the criteria of the program and they follow the terms of the program. Uh, similar to, you know, one of the, the programs that I've been talking about, you follow the program uh, and you adhere to the terms of the program. If you've met the criteria, uh, then, you know, you can have the benefit of completing the program to its entirety. So there is some discretion in referring to specialty court court programs if there is such a program in the area. You know, we often hear, uh, well, um, I I was going to bring up something about rule of law, but I I, want to change that. Usually I hear this quote um, in relationship to the... uh, the U.S. Supreme Court, that when they decide in your favor, they're interpreting the Constitution, but if they decide against you, they're activist judges. Um, is, there, is there room for activism on the bench, or um, are, are they strictly bound by, by sentencing guidelines and, and precedent? So I think that you, with any judicial position, uh, you are to know the law, apply the law, make sure you're interpreting the law correctly, and follow the law. So to the extent that you have just uh, discretion uh, to, um, you know, refer folks to, whether it's some type of specialty program or, or whatever is offered, uh, you know, certainly judges could take advantage of that. Some do more than others. But uh, in the end, you're interpreting uh, or applying the law correctly uh, to each case that comes before you. Uh, in terms of activism, uh, I, don't, I don't really think that it would be, um, you know, something that I would think is appropriate to refer to a judge as an activist. Um, you know, you're in a nonpartisan position and you're applying the law. How has has sentencing become so uh, divisive when it comes to race? It it, it seems that um, black defendants get tougher sentences than white defendants, often under very similar circumstances. Um, is that a real thing? And and how did that come about? when we try so hard to to make it fair and balanced. So I think that your question is is leaning or your line of questioning is leaning more toward criminal law and I, again the the position that I'm uh running for is that of a family court judge who's retiring and I am looking to fill the shoes of a family court uh judge. Uh my wheelhouse is family law. And that's what I am uh, promoting myself as is a family law and a, a, who ha- family law um, practitioner 
who has been uh, devoting the majority of my career for the past 20 years to family law. So I think that your questions uh, that pertain to criminal law would be best suited for uh, a criminal law attorney or someone who was looking to fill the shoes of a uh, judge on the criminal bench. And, and it's interesting that you make that distinction, Stephanie, because I talked to the two other candidates uh, in this particular primary race, and neither one of them seemed focused particularly on uh, on family law. It, it was almost as if they expected to be uh, luck of the draw if they're if they're elected as to what cases they would hear. Yeah, and again, I, you know, I would just point out that we serve under the direction of the chief judge. And the position right now where the judge is not running for re-election is a family law seat. Uh, so again, I think that it would certainly be beneficial to have someone elected who could fit right in and step right in to start hearing that family law docket without requiring any type of reshuffling depending on the skills um, you know, or knowledge base of the uh, candidate who is elected. I, I just find that very, very interesting because um, of the of the three candidates, um, you're the first one to talk about how how likely focused this um, this particular race is. And as I understand mm-hmm. it, this is a, a non um, non party affiliated uh, seat, and and it's. Correct. And, yeah. and the way that works is with three candidates running, do the top two then go on to November? Yes, that's correct. Um, okay, so this is not like a party primary. It's uh, o- almost like like uh, ranked choice voting. Yeah, it's the top two vote-getters out of the August 4th election will go on to the general uh, ballot in November. So one candidate will not make it through August 4th uh, vote. And this uh, vote, it's it's August 4th is, is the actual scheduled primary, but with Michigan's new um, no reason absentee voting law, we're, we're likely mm-hmm. to see some early voting, and that's what they call it in other states yeah. is, is early voting. Um does that make it a little tougher from a, a campaigning uh, standpoint? Well, I, I think it does to the extent that, um, you know, we we don't have as much time uh, to get out there to, uh, you know, meet more of the, uh, the general population, voting population, uh, instead of having from now until August 4th uh, voting day to keep getting ourselves out there, getting our names known, uh, you know, telling folks what we're all about. Uh, you know, we're in a situation where, within about a week or or less, uh, you know, we will have ballots going out, being mailed out. Um, I'm I'm thinking that a lot of people, when they get their absentee uh, voter ballot, will simply vote right away, maybe so they don't forget um, or just to get it off their plate um, or they're excited to vote. Whatever the reason is, I think that, you know, we're in a situation where we're going to lose some weeks of being able to get ourselves out there and make ourselves known to more of the community. Well, so, yes, I, I think it does impact. And hopefully uh, people will uh, allow this opportunity to give them more time with their ballot, to spend a little more time filling it out and, sure. 
and trying to decide, you know, who who they liked for each of the seats instead of just picking off uh, a name that's familiar or the yep. other the other tricks. I, I've I've tried them all. <laughs> <laughs> yep, absolutely. I mean, your guess is as good as mine as to you know what will uh, you know what will happen whether people will sit on it and, and do more research once they have the names in front of them, uh, you know, or whether they will uh, vote quickly so that they don't forget, you know, whatever whatever their uh, logic is behind what they're doing. Uh, who knows? But you know, we do have uh, it seems that it possibly less time for some voters, um, you know, for us to get our names out there and get known. Well, let me let me ask this. You mentioned when we first started talking about campaigning uh, and and getting to know people and and getting them to know that you're running through a variety mm-hmm. of uh, community Zoom meetings and and other right. online kinds of things. Let's talk about technology in the courts a little bit because um, mm-hmm. courts in Genesee County just recently uh, opened up. I'm not sure what things were like um, in the third district where where you are in as a referee right. uh, but mm-hmm. they've just been open now a couple of weeks and and in limited capacity and there have been a number of proceedings that have been done by zoom even even the uh, u.s supreme court did live audio for the first time in the history yeah. of the court um, is there going to be a new normal post-pandemic for how proceedings are managed? So I think it's it's a little early to say whether this will be a new normal uh, and continue on. Um, you know, at this point right now, I know in Genesee County, they had folks coming in for scheduled some scheduled hearings uh, as recently as last Monday. Um, in Third Circuit, uh, where I'm at, we still don't have any public coming in. Uh, we're conducting our hearings by Zoom, um, you know, and it is, it's challenging, um, but it is putting us in a position where we're able to hold hearings that otherwise would have to sit and wait, um, you know, until we're in a position where we can let the public in. Um, the technology challenges, um, you know, are, are really just a matter of people being able to get on quickly. Um, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, folks, whether it's the referee, the judge, the litigants, the attorneys, um, you know, struggle with getting on. Maybe it's uh, the connection. Maybe it's just figuring out how to mute or unmute themselves. Um, maybe it's figuring out, uh, do we have extra people in the, um, you know, in the Zoom hearing that maybe don't belong in there? Um, so there's those types of challenges. But for the most part, um, you know, it's a it's a fantastic thing, you know, that technology has allowed us to uh, start back up with these hearings uh, rather than having to sit and wait and let some of these important issues, um, you know, that are, are necessary to be heard uh, sit and wait. So we started uh, holding Zoom hearings um, where I'm at May 11th. Uh, were the first hearings, so we've been doing it a little a little while now, uh, ha- holding these hearings by Zoom. So they take a bit longer, uh, and they're a bit challenging technology-wise, but at least we're able to hold them. Well, I just I just wonder if technology isn't going to play uh, a, a continued expanding role in the way proceedings are conducted. Yeah, well, certainly the advantages from a litigant uh, perspective is uh, not having to uh, potentially take an entire day off from a job, let's say, 
uh, to have to come in and sit and wait for a hearing. Instead, you have a designated time that you're calling into your hearing, and maybe it's something that you can do on a break from work or before your work starts or after your work workday ends, um, depending on what time the hearing is. Uh, from the perspective of transportation, uh, maybe for folks who have a difficult time getting transportation to the court, um, you know, it, it resolves that issue. Uh, maybe it's uh, child care. Maybe you're in a position where you could, uh, you know, have your child occupied at home and, uh, you know, still participate in your hearing, uh, whereas maybe you would have a challenge getting to court and providing having child care provided to enable you to get to court. So I think from the perspective of the litigant, um, in terms of the transportation, uh, the arrangements for child care, the arrangements for work, maybe parking costs are a challenge. Um, you know, maybe, um, uh, you know, just spending that amount of time uh, coming down or the anxiety over coming into a courthouse uh, for some. I think that it, um, you know, it really uh, alleviates some of those concerns from a litigant perspective. So maybe, you know, at this point in our district, we're not certain at what point the public will be coming back in, and we're not certain how long we will be conducting these Zoom hearings. So uh, it's hard to say, but it, it is nice to have, um, you know, the ability to offer this technology. Um, you know, some folks have been concerned about, well, you know, how I, I don't know that I'll be able to zoom into a hearing because I don't have the right type of phone. You can dial in with a regular dial-in phone and just have a, you know, essentially a, a telephonic hearing uh, through Zoom as well. So you don't have to have a lot of, um, uh, you know, fancy technology to be able to do it either. You don't have to worry about whether there's an app for that. <laughs> correct, correct, because uh, it is a challenge sometimes. So, yeah, you can just dial in, have a telephone hearing. So, you know, it really has offered, um, you know, a lot of uh, different things to the litigant that, uh, you know, maybe were, were causing extreme hardships before. So I don't know. I mean, maybe I, you know, I can't really predict how things will go moving forward, but um, at least for right now, you know, this remains an option. So, well, Stephanie Watucky is my guest. She is a candidate for the Seventh uh, Circuit Court bench. It's a non-incumbent position. Um, Stephanie, we're getting pretty close to the end of our time, but I always give guests an okay. opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and uh, about the campaign and so on. Do you have a website? Well, so I do a lot on Facebook. It's Wataki for Judge, um, no spaces on Facebook. Uh, and I also uh, have a website, Wataki for Judge. Um, I have a uh, committee, uh, campaign committee email, uh, excuse me, email. Uh, it is ctewataki at gmail.com. And so those are different ways that, you know, that someone could reach out to me if they wanted more information. Um, I think one thing, if you have two, two more seconds here that I'd sure. like to point out Absolutely. is that we've talked, we've talked a lot about my experience, um, you know, over 20 years in, in practice as a, uh, an attorney, uh, my decade of experience in the quasi judicial role hearing cases that I'm doing now, uh, and the, you know, my, primary work has been in the Detroit area. Uh, I wanted to point out that that's simply because I 
started working at a law firm right while I was in law school, attending law school at Wayne State in Detroit. Um, you know, it really became uh, like family to me, that law firm. I stuck with it, uh, but I am a longtime Genesee County resident. I was born and raised in Flint and attended school and lived in Flint all the way through college. I graduated from uh, University of Michigan, Flint. So I didn't move out of Flint until I started law school. And then I spent a few years getting my career started. But then the last 19 consecutive years, I've been back in Genesee County, living here in Genesee County. So even though my primary work uh, has been in the Detroit area, I am a longtime Genesee County resident, so I just wanted to point that out uh, to folks who, you know, might be wondering, you know, why am I talking about all this, uh, you know, experience and in, in going on in Detroit uh, when we're talking about a Genesee County election? Yeah, and that's why, is, why, why is somebody from County the th- why is somebody from yeah. the Third <laughs> Circuit running for the Seventh Circuit? Exactly. Courts are already confusing enough, Stephanie. Right. Yes, yes, yes. So just remember, I am a Jenny C. County resident, a long time, uh, and I, you know, I certainly would love to be able to serve the community in which I've been a part of my, the majority of my entire life. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for uh, spending this time with me this morning. I appreciate it very much. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on as well. All right. And with that, we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. <music> The Colts in session. The Colts in session. Now, here come the judge. Here come the judge. Here come the judge. Stop eating that fudge. Cause here come the judge. Don't nobody budge. Cause here come the judge. Judge Shorty is presiding today. And he don't take no stuff from nobody. No kind of Hey boy, take off that hat Where do you think you're at? I know where you gon' be If you don't mind me I'm here to tell you Here come the judge, Tom. Here come the judge. 
Thanks again to Stephanie Witucki, the third of three candidates running in the August primary for 7th Circuit Court Judge in Genesee County. We're going to take a short break and we'll be back with the final segment of today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. But first, uh, we're going to turn to our broadcast partners. WFOV 92.1 FM, our voices radio in Flint. They are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my friend Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze in a few words or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. Stay tuned. Hey, (laughs) this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now, and now, and now too, and even now. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips... Visit cdc.gov. They say singing can help you remember things. So here's some tips for parents out there during these tough times. Number one. Make sure your kids wash their hands for 20 seconds after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside. Two. Virtual play dates. Social and physical distancing can help save lives. Three. Tell them they're safe and show your love and pride. Yes, we'll get through this together. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com. Call us at at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular 
regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. Is a major factor in dancing like a retard. May cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Tom always likes you best. My mom always liked my brother best and she never liked me. Mom and... You, you and mom. Telling, why do you keep telling me mom always likes you because best? Because she. Every re- time you get mad, you say, Mom always liked you best. Oh, yeah? <laughs> well, mom always liked you best. You want to know? And you always picked on me? You and mom. You and, my mom and my brother get together and say, We don't like you. Because mom liked you best you know and she why never she, liked me. Wait a minute. Do you know why she liked me best? She. Oh, yeah. Would you like to know why she liked me best? Sure she liked me best, why not? I never knew mom liked you best. <laughs> you and mom always used to pick on me. That's, now I remember. Yeah, now you remember. Mom liked you best and she never liked me. You wanna know why? Why? Because I happen to be an only child. <laughs> Touchy, touchy. (laughs) Touché, touché. This just isn't your night, Tommy. Your mom gave you a dog. My mom gave my brother a dog, and I didn't get to have a dog in more than anything. Everybody had dogs. I didn't have a dog. You got to have a dog in more than anything in the whole world. I wanted to have a dog of my own. I asked my mom, I said, Mom, I want to have a dog like my brother Dickie Smothers. You remember me. I'm Tommy Smothers. And I never got to all have right, a dog, is, and you wouldn't let me play I, with your dog or anything. I remember when I was 10 years old, I said, oh, if I could only have a dog. My brother had a dog, and I, I couldn't... Crying, I didn't get to play with your dog, and Why you, you would always tell Mom. 
when I play with your dog. Hey, Tommy's playing with my dog. You remember Tommy, the kid you don't like so much? But I didn't get to play with a dog and I didn't have a dog. Hold it a minute. And before we go any further, you, you know you had your own pet already. Crummy chicken. Well, you wanted it. It's no fun playing with a chicken. They don't bark good. You wanted it. You I didn't want that. You wanted to sell the eggs. It was a rooster. And every Saturday, my brother, they would, all, the, all of his friends, they get on their, they all get up their dogs and they get their bicycles. And they... I didn't have a bicycle either! You had a bicycle! Now hold it down, hold it down. You're just getting excited. You had a wagon. That was a good wagon. One wheel! What'd you do with the other wheels? Well, it was hard for the chicken to pull that one wheel wagon. Listen. You never liked me, and you went on hikes, and you and you know why you didn't get to go on hikes? You, you never had, would accept you know, me. You even had a dolly. A what? A dolly. <laughs> my brother had a doll. You shut up. <laughs> you shut up about my doll. You had that dolly. I remember you and your dolly. <laughs> I said, Mom, don't give me a dolly. <laughs> I, I was always. I always like my brother. Mom says, always like your brother. And I like my brother. We used to hang around and do things together. Every, about once every three or four months, he'd say, come on, Tom, let's go smoke some Crayolas. <laughs> I certainly did not say that. You did, Crayolas. too. I did not. It stains your teeth. You go it? on hikes. That's right, we went on hikes, because dogs and boys go on hikes. You can't take a chicken on a hike. Frank was a good hiker. Listen, all the guys knew Frank was the best hiking chicken in the block. The reason you couldn't go on a hike, you couldn't keep up. You in that crummy wagon. But you want to know the real reason? Fastest one-wheel wagon around! All right, Tommy, you want to know the real reason? Is that it wasn't your place to go on a hike with us. It's we liked you and we liked the chicken, but boys and dogs, they go on hikes together, they're buddies, you know? A little boy even sleeps with his dog. You've never realized the place for a boy in this chicken. Chicken coop. You should have kept that crummy chicken in that chicken coop, Tom, and away from my dog. My uh, chicken killed his dog. <laughs> This was another Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Until we walk that fine thin
it together sometime You don't know what I know Flint's own Greg Nagy there, the songwriter, guitar player, singer of uh, the title track from his Walk That Fine Thin Line CD. Before that, it was the Smothers Brothers in the uh, Comedy Spotlight, and that wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. I want to say thanks to our our technology whiz uh, for making everything uh, work so well at Swiftlet Technology, Dan Kieran, also my co-host, Andrea Sutton. To all the guests that were on the show today, thank you. We'll have some more candidates in the August primary coming up in tomorrow's edition of the Tom Sumner program. That's Smoking George Winters tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head down the hall to the living room, but I'll be back, as I said, with more candidates in the August primary tomorrow on the show in the meantime uh, stay safe and uh, be well and uh, I guess that's it good night everybody the Tom Sumner program is a live variety show we want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.